Labor Day weekend of 1989 in Virginia Beach, Virginia, was a weekend of violence and rioting as racial tensions boiled over. But for two young travelers on their way home to Virginia Beach, the weekend would end with another kind of violence and leave behind more questions than answers. Join us as we continue our discussion of the Colonial Parkway murders and dive into the darkness, one crime at a time. Welcome to One Crime at a Time. I'm your host, Shannon. With me, as always, my sister from the same mister, Christina. Hello. I'm, I'm, we're here. We're finally. here. We're here finally. We're back. We're flaking, guys. Sorry. I don't know what to say about it other than well, I just am flaking, and that's just all there is to it. Um, we just, you know. We've just had things going it's on. Just, it just Injuries is what it is. <laughs> everything else. So, anyway. I'm just, I'm not going to apologize for it. Because no, it's I'm just... not either because it's life and it happens. <laughs> Sorry. Life happens. <laughs> life happens, but we're here and we're going to finish this um, series for you. I do want to say, to go ahead and tell you all that we are going to finish up the Colonial Parkway Motors. I don't know if it's going to happen this episode, but it, I know it won't happen this episode. I don't know if it will happen next episode, but we are going to finish this series. Then we are going to be taking a month well, off. Well deserved a break from life. Yeah, and <laughs> we will be taking a month off, but we will be back. And uh, the plan now is to be back the first week of April. So yeah, that's the plan right so, now. How has your week been? It's been great. I, I I just I don't know how to explain it. I haven't. I just. It's not been good. We'll just put it that way. Well, and yeah. I, I, mean, I don't want to get into it, but it just hasn't been good. <laughs> well, <So. laughs> well, my leg is still healing. I did, you know, I did mention I got my stitches out, but then the other no, day. No, you didn't get your stitches out. I, well, you I took, took my your stitches, stitches out. <laughs> I took my stitches out. It's healing. It's it's closed up, and uh, but it's still sore. But. The other day, I sprained my wrist. Okay, well, good so, for you. So, you know, just, you know, I might as well. I'm trying to get it all out of the way at one time. I'm going to start way. calling you Grace. That's your new name. <laughs> well, would you like me to tell you how it happened? Uh, I don't. You sure, if you want. <laughs> I was trying to fix a fence for my animals, and I had some field wire. Look it up. I'm not going to try to explain what field wire is. Just wire. <laughs> Nobody cares. And uh, well, the, no. It, there's a reason it matters that it's field wire. Is because my hand got caught in it and it rolled back up and like twisted my wrist and yeah it was fun nice good times <laughs> this this is our life people yes <laughs> I can't welcome I, to my world no, I'm just glad January's over January is a bad month for me at work and I'm just glad it's over and I get a four day weekend coming up. Though. I don't care. <laughs> I really could care less, to be honest with you. So. <laughs> I really don't care. It's going to, I don't know what I'm, I need to clean around because I'm going to sell my house. You are? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. You moving? I am. Where are you moving? I don't know when. Where? Well, me and Mom are arguing about this. <laughs> Well, because, see, 
See, the thing is, is I found some land in Wyoming I want to buy. I'll just go. But she doesn't want to go. So I don't know how we're going to handle that. Well, just go. We'll figure it out. Well, I probably am. So, I'm not going to buy any more land in Georgia. If I'm going to buy some land, it's going to be. Yeah, I wouldn't buy anything else. Especially since you're not going to live here. Yeah, I'm if not going to stay yeah. here, so. I'm glad we're having this discussion. On. <laughs> well, I haven't been <laughs> able to like talk fa- to you. A family <laughs> I'm, I haven't been able to talk to you. I know. Sorry, right. guys. Okay, on with our story. <laughs> that I will apologize for. <laughs> We're solving our family issues on. Well, you on, do it when you podcast. can. <laughs> so, so to our story or to our show, anyway, to our other story, <laughs> to to what we're here actually here to yes. talk about. I do want to read a review since we got some in. Um, you know, I only do one a week. That's yeah, not going to change because she's paranoid. <laughs> because I'm a very paranoid paranoid person. This one is a five-star review. It Yay. comes from L. White, 1976. It says, great podcast. This is a great podcast. These ladies are hilarious. <laughs> they dive deep into each, into every case and give great information. I love the way you both interact with each other. That is what makes this podcast so good. Keep up the great work, ladies. Aw, thank you. Thank you. We That's appreciate like you. people out there get what we do. Yeah. Because a lot of people don't. <laughs> People don't. They don't have and to. And that's okay. It's okay. That's okay. But not everybody's I'm glad get that it. some people do. There's a lot of people that do get it. And yes, we appreciate are. you. And we love you. And we yes, but we love the ones that even don't get it. We yeah, love everybody. We, we love everybody. So, thank you. Thank yes, you, L. White, 1976. We appreciate that. So, I'm going to get back into our Colonial Parkway murder Yay! saga. <laughs> that has been this never-ending. Apparently. It's a never-ending story. <laughs> So, when we left off, we had discussed the first three sets of murders. Mm-hmm. We decided that the police force up there are idiots. <laughs> you had de- carry on. You had decided that. <laughs> I did not say at that, that. At that time. At that time. Maybe not the ones now, but at that time. Anyway, we had discussed the first three sets of murders that make up the Colonial Parkway murders. Okay. This episode, we will discuss the last, or supposedly last set of it's murders. Not. It's not. That <laughs> it may be. It's not. I don't. Very I, well really don't I don't really don't know. Uh, yeah, I know you. You have no clue. No, I don't. <laughs> so, so stop interjecting. You don't. You don't know. <laughs> Pay no attention to me. To the man behind the curtain. <laughs> um, it is the double murders of Anna Maria Phillips and Daniel Lauer, who were last seen September fourth, nineteen eighty nine. Now, Anna Maria Phelps, She was born the twenty fourth of March in nineteen seventy one. She was the youngest daughter of four children. Okay. And according to her brother, Will, Anna Maria was quite the fireball. Okay, <laughs> she Anna. Was, she was full of energy and vitality. She, um, was, she very, was young. She was very spunky. Very that goes away when you get older. Because <laughs> <laughs> I used to be the same way. <laughs> Didn't we all? Uh, she was very smart. I mean, excuse me, very spunky and very full of herself. Well, I wasn't full of myself. This, this, this describes me. I'm going, this is what he, this is what he said about her. And you tell me if this isn't me. Okay. Okay. She but was, he doesn't know you. But this, I, I just, okay. I just feel a very, a, a strong connection with Anna Maria's you, personality. You're getting, you're getting paranoid, aren't you? <laughs> no, I just feel that this was, this is me. She was very spunky, very, very full of herself. She always had a smart comeback, <laughs> but was comical. 
She always knew what to say back to someone. She didn't have to think about it. So she had like a Well, the full of herself part, yeah. (laughs) I'll agree that is exactly like you. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) She was also very independent and stunning. This is not me. (laughs) No. She was... (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) Thank you for agreeing with that so quickly. She was five foot four inches tall, weighed 125 pounds. She had deep blue eyes with frosted blonde hair. Now, Anna Maria had gotten pregnant when she was Uh-oh. 16 years old with a baby girl. Uh-oh. Now, the baby was born premature at five months, Aww. and she didn't make it. Mm-hmm. Anna had been involved in an auto accident just prior to going into Aww. labor and losing the child, which she believed probably contributed yeah, to the loss of the baby. Yeah, I would say it baby. probably did. And that just really, of course, it devastated her because she was excited about having the baby. Even though she was young, she was, you know, she well, was excited about having Well, people back then tend to have been more mature than people are. T- you know, that is true. You ever, have you ever watched, <laughs> this is just totally random <laughs> off the point, but, but going to your point, have you ever watched, like, I know on ESPN Classic, yeah. they used to have, like, old football games from the 80s and, and 70s like that they would show. Mature. You could look, I mean, the pictures they showed of the players at 18 years old, looked like they looked like they were 35. Because people, <laughs> I don't know what has happened. Because people had common sense and they were more mature back then. No, it wasn't just that. They even looked older. I mean, because I've been watching, like, historical, like, from, like, the Tudor dynasty and all that. Well, that's going a little far back than what we're but trying to... But, I mean, those to... kids were married at, like, 14 years old, and they acted like they were 30. Well, that... But that's... That was weird time. That, that We can't compare that to modern yeah, we, day, but... Well, no, we can't. But can. this was 1980s. Like, I'm just, going, these, I'm just you... going back how people were more mature, <laughs> and as the years have gone on, we've gotten mature later and later and later in life, <laughs> is the point I'm trying to make. <laughs> well, I would probably agree with that, but... <laughs> I mean, but for real, these football players that are 18 and 19 years old look like they're 35. I know. So, anyway, I just found that, that's just what made me, that made me think of that when you said that. So, anyway. And I'm not putting anybody down. It's just a fact that <laughs> that's the way it worked. <laughs> so, <clears throat> not long after Anna lost her baby, she dropped out of high school. But before she, she did, well, she it just wasn't working for her. But school before, didn't work for me either, but I didn't drop out. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you did. No, I didn't. I thought you went, or you just I went to a that, different school. No, I went to a different school. Oh, okay. Because I didn't like that school anymore. I'm just so up on And I lived with her. Everybody's life. <laughs> I lived with her. Think about this. I thought she dropped out. No, I did not drop out. I finished high school. I just didn't go to that. I dropped out of that school. Okay. <laughs> I just went in there and got my stuff out of my locker we and left are one. so close. I mean, this I is literally, everything. I went like in the middle of the school lunch hour and just cleaned out my locker and left. <laughs> like, I'm done with this I'm shit. I'm done with this crap. But I did finish school. Okay. I couldn't remember. I thought you. <laughs> no, I did finish okay, school. Okay, well. <laughs> I'm glad that I learned that about you. <laughs> I'm so glad you learned that about me 30 years later, too. Thank you. <laughs> no problem. Oh. We are close. So close. So, <laughs> But before she did drop out of school, but let's get to back to Anna and talk okay. about her. She met 17-year-old Clinton Lauer, and they began dating. Now, Clinton's sister's husband was in the Navy and on deployment. Okay. So he decided 
that he would move to Virginia Beach to help her out with her kids while her husband was gone. Okay. Okay. He asked Anna, this was after high school, I think they were around, I don't know, 17, 18 So, years wait old. a minute, she was married and he was who? Who? Who was married? Who was this guy? <laughs> <laughs> I'm conf- I confused myself. Okay, listen. <laughs> Anna. Okay. Anna Maria. Okay. She She was in high school and she met this guy, before she dropped out, she met this guy named Clinton Lauer. Okay. And they started dating. Okay. All right. Now, Clinton had a sister. Okay. Who was married to a guy who was in the Navy. Okay. And her husband was deployed. Okay. And they had some kids and lived in Virginia Beach. Okay. So, Clinton decided that he would move to Virginia Beach to help his sister out. Okay. That's where I got confused because I thought you were talking about Anna Marie had a husband that was gone and he moved to help her no. out. And I'm like, wait a minute. No. Okay. I'm, okay. I got it. No. Down. Clinton's sister. Okay. He's he helping his sister, sister out. out with okay. her kids okay. while her husband's gone. I missed the sister part, I guess. Yes. So... He asked Anna Maria to go with him. So she moved out of the family's home in June of 1989 to join him in his apartment in Virginia Beach. Okay. So they're, you know, living together, getting, you know, they're young. They're like 18. They're catching up. I'm sure they're doing a lot of catching up. Well, they've got a lot of time if they live together. Yeah. So both of them got jobs at a local Wendy's. Making $3.35 an hour. What you talking about? That was a lot of money back then. <laughs> that was the minimum. That wasn't a lot of money, but it was the minimum wage at but the time. But things didn't cost as much even in the 80s as they do today. Well, that was still ship money, and they were they were really struggling to get by. They were living paycheck to paycheck, and like I said, they couldn't afford to have a telephone, so they used a payphone down the street to make their calls. There were times that they missed payments on their electric bill and had the power cut off. And matters got worse um, when their income was cut in half because Anna Maria got fired. This was stupid. This was a dumbass reason. Okay. This according Now, this is according to her brother, Will. It was because somebody had made a burger for somebody that someone had ordered, and it was not right, so they had to remake it. Okay. So the one that was made incorrectly, she took it home to Clint instead of throwing it in the trash. So she got fired. Because but if I'm, she paid for it, what does it matter? It doesn't matter because the, the rule was it had to go in the trash. Because America is a country of waste and stupidity. Yeah, it is. Do y'all know? I can tell you the exact amount of food that we waste every year. Do you want to know? No, I don't even want to know. 50 million pounds of food a year wasted in the United States when there's hungry people walking right. on the street. So she had a boyfriend at home that... She wanted to take this, too, because it was either somebody eat it or it get thrown in the trash. Right. And I'm, and I'm like, they, uh, and the rule was it had to get thrown in the trash, which is stupid. stupid. So she got fired When she could it. turn around and purchase it and everything would have been well, okay. I mean, who cares if she even paid for it? You're just going to throw it away anyway. And see, that's, uh, that just, ooh. That stuff drives, that drives me crazy. Me crazy. <laughs> so, if somebody can eat it, why throw it away? Right. That's just, I mean, I'm sure there's a homeless person out there somewhere to be glad to get it. Yeah, but, I mean, Clint was probably hungry because they were struggling. They, you know, it's just ridiculous. But anyway, so their income was cut in half, so that made things even harder. Then on Labor Day weekend of 1989, a potential solution to their financial problems seemed to have emerged. And it came in the form of Daniel Lauer, who was Clinton's older brother. 
Daniel boy, Daniel, you're a star. <laughs> Remember that guy we used to know whose name was Daniel that worked for our neighbors, and every time we thought we called, we spoke to him, we 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 would say Daniel, and you're he just laughed I don't. No, he, he would do it, and he'd get mad. <clears throat> he didn't get mad with me. Maybe no, he, he just got didn't mad. Like you. Yeah, I guess probably not. I didn't like him either. So. <laughs> He wouldn't get mad with me. He just didn't Daniel, like you. you're a star. Every time course, we would now, see him. I have, to, I have to admit, we were kind of mean when we were growing up. We were assholes when we were growing up. Can you up. imagine that if every time you saw somebody, they looked at you and went, Daniel, you're a star. I can see how that would be. That I mean, might be a little bit annoying. I mean, we were. I mean, you remember when we took the neighbor girl's bike and put it on top of the clubhouse and wouldn't let her get on there and get it off? Well, we were mean. We were assholes. We were assholes. No. Nah. Not we, anymore. We grew, we grew out of it. Sorry, guys. We're not assholes anymore. No way. Well, we, 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 most of the time. Most we have to be. Yeah, if you, we have to be. <laughs> now, Daniel, let's, let's talk about Daniel for a little while. He was one of four children of Margie and Henry Lauer. Okay. Now, in his her early life, he had lived in Port Jefferson, New York, but the family had re- relocated to Trezillo. Trezillo? Trezillo. It's T-R-U-X-I-L-L-O. Trezillo. Trezillo. In Amelia County, Virginia, which was only 10 miles from where the Phelps family lived. Okay. Now, like Anna Maria, academics did not keep Daniel's attention, and he also dropped out of high school. (laughs) They just didn't want to go to school. Okay. (laughs) I was blaming the school. (laughs) (laughs) Wasn't really blaming them. (laughs) Now, when Daniel was 19 years old, he met 15-year-old Christina Sotos. That's a lot of names. Yeah. <laughs> they fell in love and decided that they wanted to get married, but her father said absolutely not. Well, no. Because she was 15 years old. Uh, duh. He was 19. Hello. She was underage. This I'm is not, not the 1400s. I don't, you know, I don't want to speak bad about people, but this was, this, well, was, a, this, was I, a, this is a crime. The same I'm going to have to go with the father there because, yeah. yes, it is a crime, even though, I mean... I mean, wow. technically, it's a crime. Wow. I would not. Why would you want to marry a 15 Because <laughs> you love her, I guess. Really? But on August the 22nd, 1988, the two decided that they would get married anyway. And they, how? Because I thought I'm you had to, to have a parent. I'm going to tell okay. you how. I'm going to tell you how. Okay. Because it's 1988. And the, the two were married at the Amelia County Courthouse. Christina had falsified her age on the marriage certificate, claiming to have been born in 1970, making her 18 rather than 15, and claiming that she, too, was from Port Jefferson, New York. So they lied. Okay. But then the the marriage is not valid, though. Well, let me... It's not, but let me just... I'm just pointing out the obvious. (laughs) So Daniel tried to start a new life with his young wife in the U.S. Navy. He went to, they went to Tennessee, and he enlisted in Memphis, Tennessee on September the 6th, 1988, and he was sent for his recruit training in San Diego, California. His Navy career did not last long, however. It was cut short, and he was discharged three weeks later because of the legal ramifications of his marriage. Yeah, I was fixing to say. Did they think Daddy wasn't going to say anything? 
His, I mean, come on, hello. He had taken Christina across state lines. Kidnapping. Into Tennessee, and eventually the two were caught. Now, in the autumn of 1988, Daniel was convicted of contributing to the delinquency of a minor, which was a misdemeanor for taking Christina to Tennessee. That charge was, however, followed up with a more serious felony conviction for knowingly signing a marriage license on which the young woman's age was incorrectly stated. Can't falsify documents, people. Yeah. That's a felony. So it's, you know, it's it's a felony to lie on a piece of paper, but it's a misdemeanor to, to kidnap take, to a take child. somebody across state lines. <laughs> to, kid, to kidnap a child. <laughs> Which, hey, I mean, she was willingly to, going. She wasn't but kidnapping that's true. her. That's true. But that's beside the point. She willingly went, so they really couldn't charge him with kidnapping. But, it's not like he abducted her and forced her to go. That, that's, you know, that it so, I mean, be, I can see where that would be a misdemeanor, but I was just going to say we've got to get our priorities in, you know, the right place here. I just found that a little strange. As long as you don't lie, you can take them across state lines all you want to. <laughs> just don't lie. Just don't lie don't, about don't it. Don't lie about it. Don't sign a document. Well, now that has, that's I know, but that's pretty bad. That. I, I mean, because you could that. lie on a document about anything, which is why that's a law. Yeah. So Daniel was convicted, like I said, and he spent the last three months of 1988 in jail and was told by the judge to not, not to contact the girl until she was 18. So that was pretty much the end of that relationship. Yeah. Um, I ain't messing with your daddy no more. Because <laughs> the daddy, I'm sure, nipped that in the bud. Well, once she turned 18, though, there wouldn't have been anything he could have done about it. Well, yeah, but they did. it didn't get that far. I know, but I'm just saying. <laughs> because that would have been five more years. I'm, well, I'm just saying. So. I probably wouldn't have waited around either, but <laughs> I'm just saying. Now, by Labor Day of 1989... Daniel was actually doing pretty well. He was working for his father's painting business. And Daniel's brother, Clinton, had asked him to join the him and Anna Maria in, for Labor Day weekend in Virginia Beach. So he decided to go. Now, Daniel had just gotten a used car as a present from his parents for his 20th birthday on August the 23rd. And Daniel's friends, Joe and Jeanette Godsey, they agreed to go with him. Okay. And according to Joe Godsey's account, which he gave to the Richmond Times-Dispatch, quote, Danny was scared to death to make the trip by himself. It was a long drive, and he didn't want to go it alone. Since me and Jeanette were his only friends in the county, he wanted us to go, unquote. The Godseys had only known Daniel for a year. I just find it... <laughs> I don't know that they were. I just don't understand why they would be his only friends in the county. Because well, maybe the rest. Of, well, maybe I don't the rest unless, of them stopped being his friends that's, because that's of what I'm thinking. That the maybe, underage marriage. That thing. may be why. That may have Which been why. Which is stupid. I mean, but come I mean, on, people. You know, that may be what the issue was. Now the God, the Godsies, like I said, had only known him for a year, and they left their three-year-old child with a neighbor, but took along their 18-month-old daughter Ashley. They all climbed into Daniel's gold Chevy Nova. Oh, buddy. All right. And they all headed toward Virginia Beach. Now, that weekend was the same weekend that the riots and stuff had happened in Virginia right. Beach okay. during Greek Fest, which mm -hmm. was when all the college kids had come into town, you know, just to hang out at the beach for, okay. that, for the holiday weekend. Clinton and Daniel and 
Anna Marie and the Godsies, they kind of just, they were really not involved in any of that. They, it really didn't really affect them in any way. Right. They were okay. just hanging out at the apartment mainly. They did go to the beach for a little while, but, you know, nothing, they weren't involved in anything, you know, nefarious or anything, and nothing happened. But sometime over that holiday weekend, the suggestion was made that Daniel should come and live with his brother Clinton and Anna Maria. Okay. So that he could help with the bills. And, excuse me, so by Labor Day, which was September 4th, Daniel had made up his mind about moving in with his brother Anna Maria. He decided that he wanted to and that he was going to travel back to Amelia County to take the Godsies home. Okay. And to pick up his things. So Anna Maria, she decided to go along with him so that she could spend some time with her family while he was packing. And then they would just ride back together to Virginia Beach. Right. Okay. So when they left, Anna was wearing a gray stonewashed jeans a short black t-shirt, and the locket she had with her nephew's pictures that tucked inside it. Daniel was wearing a white long sleeve dress shirt, blue jeans, and tennis shoes. Okay. The Godsies, they were dropped off at their trailer. Then Daniel dropped off Anna Maria with her family, and he went to his home to pack up his things. He spent probably around 10, 20 minutes with his parents gathering up his things. And I'm sure he just <laughs> threw them in something. Threw, threw them in a car. <laughs> just grabbed a bunch of stuff and just threw it in the car. Right. Because this is a, a 20-year-old man. Yes. Packing. Yes. <laughs> then I can and just imagine. that's how it works. That that's how it went. <laughs> that's how it works. So, Mrs. Lauer, she insisted that he take a brown electric blanket that she had. You know, she wanted him to take it with him, so... He would have a blanket and be warm. Now, Daniel was owed some money from his father for paints, for painting work that he had done. And his father gave him that money. Okay. And there's different reports of how much money this was. Some reports have said it was $600. Some reports have said it was anywhere, it was $900. Some reports have said it was $800. He had some money. There's one report that said he only had $160 on him. Uh, I don't know, but most most of the sources that I found said between $600 and $800. Okay. So we're going to go with $800. Just $700. That's the middle. He had $700. (laughs) So that's just what we're going to go with. So his father gave him that money, which, you know, would help them all get back on their feet for a little while. Because that was a pretty good bit of money. Yeah, it was. Back then. So Daniel finished packing up his car. He headed to the Phelps residence to pick up Anna Maria. And next to the driver's seat, he had a crowbar that he took along with him, just in case there were any problems on the trip. I don't know if this meant problems with the car. (laughs) Or, he just going to beat I, the hell out of Well, it? I think with all the rioting going on oh, okay, and people yeah. traveling back and forth on the interstate. A gun would have worked much better. I think better. that he took the crowbar for that reason. But you're a convicted felon, so you can't own a gun. Right. But she could have. Well, she didn't, okay. uh, as far as I know. I okay. don't know she may have, but I don't think she did. There's never been mention of her, whether okay. or not she owned a firearm or that she had one with her, so I don't know. Okay. Now, Jill Phelps, who was Anna Marie's mom, she had helped pack up some linens and canned food for them to take back with them. Just so they would have, you know, some food. Just some food and stuff there. 
Now, while she was home, Anna Maria told her brother Will that she and Clint were thinking about getting married, which is sweet. Aww. So, Daniel and Anna Maria, they left the Phelps home at 11.15 p.m. on Labor Day for the trip back to Virginia Beach. Okay. It was a very dark night with temperatures hovering in the 60s, and the two headed eastbound on I-65. I mean, I'm sorry, I-64. <laughs> I'm sitting here reading it and still can't say it right. So, okay. I-64. Okay. So, between the Phelps home and Virginia Beach, there are only two rest areas on I-64. One in either direction across the highway from each other. Okay, right. So, you had one in the eastbound side, mm-hmm. one on the westbound side, and they were directly across the interstate from each other. Okay. Now, the next exit going eastbound was less than a mile from that eastbound rest area. And it was Route 155 that led north into New Kent, Virginia. Now, a truck driver said that he saw them in the eastbound rest area in the early hours of September 5th. And a passing tourist reported seeing them at a picnic table in the westbound area about noon or one in the afternoon on the 5th of September. But that account was never fully verified. And my guess is with it being a holiday weekend, the westbound rest area would have been extremely busy with people heading home. And they just look like your average college kids. So it probably... Yeah. It may it probably was not them. Right. And since they weren't a hundred percent sure that they the people they saw were Daniel and Anna Maria. But Daniel and Anna Maria, they never arrived at their destination. Now, Clinton called his mother Margie at nine AM on the fifth of September to say that they still had not arrived in Virginia okay. Beach. Clinton, he got a girl that he worked with at Wendy's to drive him around and look for the two so they set out trying to find Anna Maria thinking that maybe Anna Maria and Daniel thinking that maybe they had broken down on the interstate or something right okay so they stopped just short of the rest area heading west because they were low on gas and didn't have any money to buy anymore so they were thought well we need to turn around or we're going to run out of gas Mm -hmm. now if they had traveled just a little bit further They would have spotted Daniel's car in a strange spot in the westbound rest area on the ramp to re-enter the interstate. Now, that was the opposite direction that they should have been heading if they were on their way to Virginia Beach. Okay. But they didn't get that far to see it. So they didn't know that the car was there. Clinton called his mom again at 2 p.m. to let her know that Daniel and Anna Maria still were not there. So, of course, Miss Lauer, she's freaking out. Well, yeah. So she then contacts the Virginia State Police. Now, they didn't know this, but Daniel's car had already been located. The Nova was spotted at 9 a.m. by a state transportation official and at 1.30 p.m. by a custodian at the rest area. Okay. It stood out because of the way it was parked. It was left on the truck side of the rest area. And the way those rest areas were, and some of them are still that way today around here, you have, when you pull into the rest you area, have a car area, you have a, a car area, area and a truck area. Yeah. Now, this, the car was 
parked at a strange angle near a no parking sign as if it had some sort of problem and had been abandoned and it was on the ramp coming off of from the truck area so it would have been the ramp that the trucks used to re-enter the interstate okay not the cars right okay now like i said it was pretty much the acceleration ramp for trucks to re-enter the interstate right the driver's side window was part of the way down and hanging from it was a marijuana roach clip that was adorned with feathers now, I've heard two stories about this roach clip. A lot of sources say that this was Anna Maria's roach clip that she always had with her. However, in the book that I have been reading about this case, they say that the clip had always hung inside of Daniel's Nova because he kept it around the rearview mirror and that it was actually his roach clip. Well, wouldn't her friends know if it was hers or not, though? See, I don't know, because I've just heard it two ways, so I don't know whose it I was. I mean, I'm, ju- I'm just saying, if people are actually saying, oh, well, she kept that with her all the time. I mean, I don't know, because but then that's what I'm saying. one person is saying, oh, well, no, it's probably the one he kept around his... Yeah, I don't mirror. know. So, anyway, it, it belonged to each one of them, anyway. Yeah. It was hung on the... It was actually clipped... To the open mirror. I mean, not... Let me start over. Whoever it belonged to, this roach clip was clipped to the window that was halfway down. Okay. Just kind of hanging there. Okay. Clipped to the window. So, Mrs. Lauer, she filed a missing persons report at 3 p.m. on September the 5th. Now, when the report came through, it reached a Virginia State Trooper who was actually at the car and was about to have it towed away. Mm. He, however, wisely canceled the tow truck as soon as the report came through. Good for you, dude. (laughs) I am proud of you. And he checked the vehicle. (laughs) The keys were in the ignition. The passenger side door was locked. There were no signs of a struggle. The car was left at an awkward angle on the exit ramp, and the crowbar was still next to Daniel's seat. Now, I find it weird that that roach clip was where it was placed on the window. Because was it placed there by Danny or Anna so that if someone came looking for them, it was kind of like a sign saying, hey, something's wrong? Or was it placed there by someone else as kind of a, taunt or something or was it placed there by one of them because they were using it and then i don't know if they just clipped it there i don't know or maybe it just appeared out of thin air no it was (laughs) didn't appear out of thin air i just i mean i just i think there's a couple of scenarios as to why that could be placed there now the police have their own theory about why it was there and we'll get to that in a minute but could it have been placed there maybe like by the custodian going over there to check the car and he just found it and just well he's no they said that they didn't touch the car okay okay. they just saw it parked there and it wasn't they just saw it so they didn't go up to the car no it's just they just called them they just called somebody to have it towed because it was in the way First case that somebody did not tamper with the crime. <laughs> Y'all are getting better. <laughs> I'm proud of you. Yeah, so, I mean, I just don't know for sure if we can say for sure it was placed there by Daniel or Anna Maria or if it was placed there by somebody else. 
Now, a search for Anna Maria Phelps and Daniel Lowry was coordinated by the Virginia State Police. They theorized that the two may have wandered off together and somehow become lost. What is it with y'all people thinking people wander <laughs> off? Why they would be wandering off That's into like the, the woods, fourth, I don't know. <laughs> except for the two girls that were found in their car. All the rest of them, well, they had to have gone for a walk or a midnight swim in 50-degree weather or naked. I, I mean, what is I up with you people? That's the only thing that they could come up well, with Well, it's Virginia. <laughs> so, Virginia's beautiful, I'll agree. But I'm not going to just go for a walk in the middle of the morning, and like the fact, early parts of the morning. And plus the fact, if you've seen, if you see pictures of this area from that time. You wouldn't go walk. These woods are thick, 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 And they thick. probably still are. They are. Now, tracking dogs were brought in to check the vehicle, but could not detect any trace of either of the victims that's because they leading have, away from the car. That's because they didn't have 50 people walking around the car and they're walking somewhere <laughs> else for them to trace. Right. Now, the interior of the car was a mess, but like I said earlier... They had a lot of stuff in they there. They had a lot of stuff, and I am—I can almost promise you that, Daniel, if you pack up your worldly possessions in 10 to 20 minutes, you're it's just throwing, not going to be neat. You're just throwing stuff in the car. So I, I'm pretty sure that that was his packing. Yeah, pretty much. There may have been a couple of things that... <laughs> He just didn't want to get lost right. through in a box or something. I would or in a that, bag. Right. Now, searching was difficult, like I said, given the heavy forested growth surrounding the rest areas. But yet they went for a walk through. they went through. for a walk through this. <laughs> now, teams of officers fanned out from the westbound rest area, and checks were also made surrounding the eastbound rest area. But no one found any trace of the two. Now, for the remaining area that wasn't directly... Right by the rest stops, they utilized a helicopter. But because the woods were so dense, it would have been basically like looking for a needle in a haystack. And there would have been little hope of spotting anyone from the air. That's one good thing about drones with cameras nowadays, people, (laughs) because they can get get in between those trees where helicopters can't. You know, but they tried it anyway to see if they spotted anything. Now, a search went on for three days but yielded no clues. My guess would be they're not there anymore. So, several items were identified as missing by the families. The brown electric blanket that Daniel had taken home, it was it was missing. Had taken from home, the one yeah. that his mom had gave him, it was missing. And the money that he had been paid by his father was missing. Oh. Anna Maria had two matching wallets. One that contained her cosmetics and the other that had her ID... And money in it. Let me guess. They picked up the one with the cosmetics. The one the one with the ID and money was among the missing items. Oh, shit. I was hoping they got the one with the cosmetics. <laughs> no. Just been a hurry to pick it up. The car itself was in good running condition. There was nothing wrong with it. It didn't break it. down. It did not break down. There was no reason for it they to They were go. high. No, I don't no, know that weren't. they were. I'm sorry. I'm not going to say that. I'm just playing. So the car itself was in good condition. So there was no... It wasn't, it wasn't they, they didn't break down. It was a good running car. It had three quarters of a tank of gas in it. Well, it was so a, there was it was a, a Nova, right? Mm-hmm. And things is good on gas, man. <laughs> but anyway, so I mean, there had been there would have been no reason for them to right. stop. You know, well, they, they didn't break rest. down. They didn't break down. Or to down. go to the bathroom or yeah. something. So the state police took photographs and they checked the tires for soil samples that might tell him tell them where the vehicle had been. 
On the interstate. Now, well, that's what you would think. <clears throat> we'll get to that in a minute. Now, Larry McCann of the Virginia State Police Behavior Science Unit, he was one of the officers brought in on the scene. And he had already started to draw connections between the other three cases and this case. Because it all is too similar. I mean, they may not be exact, but there's so many similarities, you would mm -hmm. have to connect them with something. Yeah. I mean, and we're going to go next episode. We are going to go through everything that these cases have in common and everything that they don't have in common. That's going to be one of the things we do next episode. Uh, for, well, I mean, like, there's a lot they don't have in common. Mm -hmm. There is a lot, lot that they, that don't they have do in have in common. Now, there too. is, but there's a lot they don't. Now, McKeon, he thought that the roach clip was definitely a taunt to the police. He said, quote, it says, here's the car. I took those two kids. I killed them. Here's the car. You'll never catch me. It's a taunt. This is the mark of people that think they're so smart that they will never get caught. Cocky, brazen, and very thoughtful. Unquote. He got all that out of a roach clip. <laughs> wow. Yep. Pretty much. Damn, man. <laughs> yes. When we don't even know for sure who wow. put the roach clip there. You are amazing. I mean, we I don't know. I, I would have never looked at that and even realized it was anything like that. I, <laughs> I wow. mean, my thought is if something was going on, there if they had that roach clip, they, if like they, if they're being led away from the car, maybe, like... I mean, they would have dropped it. They would have dropped it somewhere else besides right. that. The car, not only Probably. that. So but I, I don't think I'm, it was a taunt because it, I mean, I, do, I mean, if it if it was put there specifically by the killer, then yes, I think it was a taunt. Most but, definitely. But most of those police officers are not going to look at it and think, oh, that's a taunt. Well, I know that's why they needed Larry McKean to come in because so he can figure out exactly what guy. that guy's thinking, even mm -hmm. though he don't know who he is. Yeah, I mean, that's his job. That's what they do. The behavior science people, that's what they do. I just what, don't see how he do. got that as a taunt out of a roach clip. Well, I don't know how they do that either, but they do, and most of the time it's pretty, it's very spot on. Now, I will say that it's improved over the years um, as far as the science behind it, but... Anyway, that is what the he... Re the reason I say he, I don't see how he got that out of that roach clip is... I would have think that he would have left something else that would have been more obvious as a taunt or she, whoever whoever it is. Mm -hmm. Because I just don't know that they would think, oh, this roach clip, they're going to know it's a taunt. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. that. I'm just telling you what, I'm just telling you what he said. <laughs> I would have thought maybe he'd have left something more obvious that. Well, maybe there wasn't anything more obvious to do, to leave. It could have been her locket. Because the clip, if you're clipping it, then you know it's not going to move. Could have been. It's her, going to be. He could have left her locket, like on the rearview mirror. That would have been more obvious. This is a taunt. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Or I'm on one of the you. side mirrors, or I'm just telling you what this guy said. I just don't see how he got that out of that. <laughs> okay. But if he I did, mean, if he did, okay. Okay, I'm, I don't know what else to tell you. You said they're arguing with me, but I'm not arguing with you. I'm just telling you what he said. Well, I'm just saying. I'm just. <laughs> I'm not arguing either. I'm just trying to figure out how he come to that conclusion. Because I guess. that's just his training. That's what it says to him that this person's thought process. Okay, so okay, no, that no. that's what this okay. guy was thinking. Okay, I'm just that's, or girl or girl. 
Or alien. <laughs> That's why they can't find them. <laughs> Thank Don't get me started to, on aliens coming to Earth and making no, people disappear. All, they all disappeared close to woods. Don't it's exactly. Don't it's Don't get me started. Don't send me off on a tangent about that. No, there's no such thing as because aliens. we will go. We will. I can. There's I can no give such. you some examples of you know. And uh, as you a matter can give of fact, me examples <laughs> of people being abducted by aliens and never coming back. I want to see that evidence. You know what? <laughs> I definitely want to see that. <laughs> Just shut up. <laughs> okay, I can give you stories. I, 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 we, stories, as matter, as, yes. Uh, no, okay. We, if you've ever watched the missing 411 stuff. Okay, but look. Look, we will go into that one day, but not here, not it, today. Not, that doesn't make it true. But I'm just telling you that I it's weird circumstances. I said there's, I'm, I misspoke. I didn't, I'm saying there's weird circ, there's disappearances with weird, very strange circumstances, okay? But that doesn't make it alien. But it doesn't make it not either, because yes, we don't does, know. Yes, it does, because aliens do not exist. Yeah, go they do. Go on with your story. Yeah, they do. No, but they we're, do not. we don't need to get into that I'm here. I'm trying to get you to go on with your story. <laughs> you brought it up. I just made a comment. But I was you know, funny. No, but you know, you know, you know my feelings. Okay? Anyway. Would you calm down? <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm going to call your therapist because we really need to work on this. (laughs) So, anyway, back to Danny and Anna Maria. Okay. So, the disappearance of Danny and Anna Maria in New Kent had overtones of the disappearance of Keith Collin and Cassandra Haley, of course, because you just find an abandoned car. They're nowhere to be found. Right. So, of course, it's going to harken back to that. Now, the public and the press had clearly started to see that. The authorities also thought that, but instead of announcing it, they actually cast doubt on that theory because they didn't have anything proving that, and they didn't want to come out and say that without any proof. Well, and, I'm, if you've got several people being killed, pretty much in the same, not exactly the same manner, but with so many similarities, you've got to, at some point, say, okay, these are possibly connected. Yeah. Now, a Virginia State Police spokesperson told the Richmond Times Dispatch that there was no reason to believe the disappearance of Daniel and Anna Maria was connected with a string of unsolved and apparently unrelated disappearances and murders in Eastern Virginia. Which, of course, he's referring to the other he's three wrong. murders, the other three sets of murders. He's wrong. I don't know that he is wrong. There is really no evidence to ev- clear evidence to point to that, which we will get into next episode. Okay, I'm not going to get into it tonight. Okay, don't please, because that's I, not why we're here. I said I wasn't. <laughs> you are just trying to start an argument, aren't you? <laughs> I'm just saying. So, I mean, they didn't want to say anything else that might cause panic until they were sure and knew for sure that they were connected. Okay, and there were some officials who had their doubts that they were connected. Yeah, y'all see what she's trying to do, don't you? She's what? trying to start an argument. I'm not, I can say I'm not going to. I'm not going to talk about it tonight. <laughs> and she just goes on a tangent. Did you notice that? Anyway, carry on. Okay. <laughs> Some thought they couldn't be connected because New New Kent was a long distance from the Colonial Parkway in Ragged Island. Really, it's not though. I would have to look at a map. If you, um, I'll look it up when I get home. I mean. Because I just, I really want to look it up when I get home because I kind of want to know. They're all within about 30 minutes of each other. Okay. No. So, with that, 
So basically, as the crow flies, they could have been at home in 10 minutes, 15 minutes. It takes about 30 minutes to get. If they if they drove from the first, from point to point from the Go say, from the Colonial Parkway to New Kent, just under an hour, okay. thirty to forty five minutes. Okay. And to me, that is not a reason to rule out a possibility of connection just because of distance. Well, no, because, because the killers travel. They travel. They don't. They don't necessarily <laughs> they, stay in the same place. And they have. They not have mean, vehicles. <laughs> I hate to bring up his name, but Ted Bundy was oh, in God. six different states. Here we go. <laughs> It's um, been a while. It, oh. it has been a while since you brought him up. It I will has. say that. I was, so like, I was, you we, know, needed I was a, we needed a I needed Bundy a Ted engine. boost. We needed a Ted boost. <laughs> now, there were challenges from the onset of the investigation, mainly because uh, the previous cases were all handled by different jurisdictions. And this was adding yet another jurisdiction into the mix. And they weren't necessarily working against each other but really they weren't working together either because you had all these people still not wanting to really say for sure that all of these cases were connected so there was maybe and that's why i'm so glad they started bringing up you know because even back then they didn't have like homicide teams or teams that they put on a certain task force is what you're well they had certain people in a team though they have a task force but then they pick a certain amount of people to put in a team to work this one Mm -hmm. work that one and i'm glad they started doing that that way you've got that one team working together and not 500 different people trying to solve the same thing with difference of opinions is all yeah but then when you've got all these jurisdictions too you've got some information that this people that this jurisdiction might have that you and don't right, know and right. vice versa but you can work together right but what i'm saying is that they weren't necessarily all working together because they weren't necessarily saying these cases were connected but you could still get the information that each one has if if you're if they're willing to give it to you i won't see why they wouldn't be I'm not a thing not, i mean i'm just saying because all you've got to tell them is, we want to see if maybe this is connected to a case we have. I mean, you say that You're like not, it's a very simple thing, but yet we've got all these cases in the past of these police agencies not working together. And I know that, and it's wrong, because the to me, and a lot of it has to do because this one doesn't get along with this force and all that, mm-hmm. and to me it's more important to find that killer so then the families can have yeah. closure than... Now, let me say arguing. That, right. Now, I will say I don't think that was the case here as far as them just refusing to work together. Right. I think it was more of a the fact that it wasn't for sure that these had any connection at all. And it didn't. And they, they may not have. But it's better to touch all bases. Well, I mean, you know, you had, well, I mean, you had Larry McCann coming in from the Virginia State Police who had worked on the other cases. And you it's had better Danny to Plott com- coming in it's com- it's who had worked on the other cases. Right. And it's better to compare evidence just to rule out that these are not connected yeah. than take the chance that they are and they may have something that would lead to the killer yeah. that you don't have. Right. So, of course, the first person that they looked at was Clint Lauer. I mean, well, he couldn't get nowhere. That was the one person that was connected to both Anna Maria and Daniel, and but he really didn't have any motive for the crime. Well, not only that, he that didn't have a of. car. <laughs> this is true. But they what were did saying he do? That walk they, out there and wait on them to get there and flag them down, well, kill maybe them, they and then did, walk back home. Maybe they were thinking that they did make it home. I don't think so. And he killed them and then dropped the car off. But he would have had to have help. Yeah. 
Now, Danny Plot was sent to Virginia Beach to interview Clint, and he said that and that it was the Clint was visibly upset, and it was Plot's opinion that Clint didn't have any idea what happened to them. So he really doesn't. Th- he didn't think from the beginning that Clinton was involved. If that's at all. the case, it could have been his parents, her parents. They were well, the I mean, last to see him alive. Well, that's true, but I mean, they, you know, I mean, they have to look at him well, I mean, because I'm that's just, where they were. I headed. mean, I, I get that, but there were several alleged sightings of the two, which only seemed to fuel thinking that they had somehow run off together rather than been the victims of foul play. And they may have. They were spotted supposedly at a convenience store in Newport News around September the 19th, but police determined that that person was wrong, that it was not them. The problem, I think, was that this Tidewater region, which is what this whole area is mm-hmm. known as, it had it, there were several colleges in that area. And these victims, like I said before, they looked like your average college kid. Well, not only They looked that, like everybody looked during that even time. Even if they were just going to run off together, they wouldn't have abandoned the car. That's, I don't think so either. I mean, they wouldn't have gone How off How would on they have foot? gone anywhere? Exactly. <laughs> they would have just driven off and not went back. Right. Now, in Williamsburg, they thought they had found them. There seemed to be this young couple that was coming into an apartment complex complex every night sleeping, but that turned out to not be them either. Okay. So, as the days and weeks went by, both families, they began to lose hope that their kids would be coming home. They all knew that they would not just disappear without letting anyone know where they were. They did not think that these two kids, because Anna Maria called her mother every single day. Okay, and that's true, and and that's good that you can know that, okay, if she hasn't called, I know there's something wrong, but there's also the fact that they're saying they ran off together, but they would not have left the car. Well, the kids, that's just what the parents, the parents know that. Right. So they're they're knowing something's wrong, and that's why they're kind of, lose the further the longer it goes, they're like, well, something has happened. Now, as fall set in, so did the first heavy rains of the season. In almost half of that September and October of 1989, it rained. Some days dropping more than an inch of rain, which was pretty abnormal for that area. Then, in October, hunting season opened. Ah, here we go. They're fixing to be found. On October the 19th of 1989, just after 8 a.m., two turkey hunters who were members of a local hunt club in New Kent County. They went into their club's private hunting reserve looking for wild turkeys. Mm-hmm. Now, this land was off of Route 55, 155, which, like I said earlier, was the first exit after the rest stop heading eastbound on, I, on I-64. Okay. Now, the access to the area was a logging trail, and it was the kind of road that you could take a four-wheel drive truck into, and in some areas, the real ruts were deep mud puddles mm-hmm. where the because they'd had so much rain recently, and I'm sure people had been going in and out, yeah, getting the, you know, getting camps and all set up for the hunting season. The wooded area was just over a mile from the rest area on the north side of I-64, and was dense brush and growth. So as the crow flies, it was. About a mile from the rest area. Okay. Well, maybe they did walk over there. Well, I guess we'll find out in a minute. I doubt it, but I'm just <laughs> saying that's possible. Now, it would have been actually 
a mile from the eastbound rest stop. Okay. Not in their car was found on the westbound westbound rest stop. Which would have now been pretty yeah. much about a mile. Now the trail ran up over a hill, then back several hundred feet before splitting off into two directions. The bow hunters were back past the split in the trail when about fifty feet or so off of the trail they came across a brown blanket and two human skulls. The hunters backed out and they called the New Count County Sheriff's Department. Good job. See, these people are smart. <laughs> yeah. You go, boys. <laughs> now, at 9.20 a.m., Sheriff F.W. Howard and several of his deputies arrived and they immediately recognized the possible connection to Anna Maria and Daniel. So the state police were contacted. They went ahead and called them in immediately. And as law enforcement began to arrive, it started raining again, soaking everything. Now, the bodies were laying side by side, head to head and feet to feet. Okay. Almost like they had just laid down to, and gone to sleep. I was wondering that. They but had disappeared six weeks earlier. So they had been there a while. And then with all of the rain in the area... By the time they were found, they were basically just, they were skeletal remains. Yeah, there was yeah. nothing well, else left. wild animals and yeah. things like that, too. Now, small animals had been there. Most of the big bones were there, but some of the smaller bones were missing. And the blanket covered most of the remains of Anna Maria, but only partially covered Daniel. So it was doubtful that that was the original placement of the blanket. So they're saying that it's probably some small animals had tugged on the blanket to get to the bones. Pulling right. It. That, that, that they were sure that both bodies were fully covered when they were left there. A tent was erected over the remains to try and preserve the crime scene as much as possible. Metal detectors and sifting screens were brought in, and the soil around the bodies and on the trail, they were checked for evidence. And as investigators fanned out, they found the small locket worn by Anna Maria with her nephew's pictures on the logging trail, some 50 to 100 feet away from the bodies. Okay. Now, what was striking was that the locket was not attached to the necklace that held it. It was just there by so itself. So it was like torn off. Yeah, it was almost as if it had been placed there. Now, while some bones were located nearby, that was the only piece of physical evidence that was really separate from the bodies. Okay. Causing investigators to wonder how and why was it. In well, it could spot. have fallen there, like if she was struggling mm -hmm. and it got ripped off, it could have fallen yeah. there. Now, both of the victim's remains were clothed and a lone earring was found. Anna Maria's social security card and the miniature birth certificate that she kept in the missing wallet, they were both found near the body. They were, they were both found near the bodies, but the wallet was never found, the okay. wallet they were in. Both bodies were clothed in light-colored blue jean pants and T-shirts. And this was weird to me. Anna was actually wearing Daniel's socks and shoes. Hmm. Now, given the proximity to the rest area, the police were pretty sure that they had found Phelps and Lawyer, but they did not want to say that until they were sure. And since visual identification and fingerprinting were not possible... They would have to use, you know, dental records or other some yeah. other method of identification. So it was going to take some time right. for them to verify that that was Anna Marie and Daniel. It took two days to get Anna Maria's dental records and compare them, and it was confirmed to be Anna Maria. 
Now, Daniel Lauer's body was identified several days later because officers had to contact a doctor in New York for x-rays from when he had had a sinus issue as a child. And that's how they were able to identify him. Okay. Now, three days after Daniel and Anna Marie's bodies had been found, less than a mile further east, another party of hunters discovered another murder victim near the shoulder of I-64. Huh. This body was badly decomposed, but it was not nearly as decomposed as Phelps and Lawyer. Lawyer. Lauer, excuse me. I Lauer. Keep calling, I keep calling him Lawyer. <laughs> it's Lawyer. I'm sorry, Lauer. Still, the state police, they couldn't tell the race or the sex. The body was found in sweatpants, a light jacket, and tennis shoes. And given the difference between this and the Phelps Lauer remains, Police did not believe they were connected. Now, I have searched everywhere I know to look, and I cannot find any other information about this murder victim. Hmm. The only thing I can find on the Internet or anywhere, or even in newspapers, is what I have told you here. I cannot find where there was a follow-up for this anywhere. Okay. Now, I don't think that it had anything. I don't know that it was connected. I don't think it was connected. But I don't know. Okay. I mean, if it was a robbery and this person was robbed too, who knows if it could have been the same person. Right. You get what I'm saying? I mean, it seemed that this body was, it was found by the people that um, were like mowing the grass on the side of the road. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, you couldn't see it if you were driving down the road, but the guy mowing the grass spotted the body. So it was kind of just thrown off the side of the road. It wasn't taken back into the woods. Okay. So it it probably doesn't have anything to do with it, but I just find it strange. Maybe I it was a hit and run of somebody walking down the road. Very well could have been. And, I, don't, I mean, because I would think I can't even, then, but, All they say that it was that it was a murder victim. I can't find anything that says how they were murdered, how they knew they look were up murdered. Hit and runs. I, I, may, I mean, I'm, I might try that, but... That's the only information I could find about this body that was found a few days after Anna Marie and Daniel. Now, the medical examiner began the task of trying to determine how the two were killed. And of all the bones recovered, only one showed any sign of trauma. And it was a finger bone. There was a cut made into it that had not healed at all, indicating that it was most likely inflicted at the time of the crime, like not long before death. Right at death. Yeah. The neck bones of the two victims were also checked by the medical examiner's office to see if they showed signs of strangulation. Now, the hyoid bone. Hyoid bone. Hyoid bone. Hyoid bone. There you go. That was intact in both bodies. And as okay, you know, so their, that means... Their tracheas was not crushed. That mean, not it didn't mean that they weren't strangled, only that it was less probable that they were. Because right. most of the time when you have a, strangula- a strangulation victim... It's going right. Now, the medical examiner's office knew that they kind of needed some outside assistance because these bones had been out a long time and they weren't... They just needed help with it because they wanted to be sure. Help. I need somebody. <laughs> so they sent the bones to Smithsonian's National Museum of Natural History to be examined by Dr. Doug Owsley. 
who was recognized as one of the most prominent and influential archaeologists and forensic anthropologists in the world. I was going to say, has he got any anthropology in he there? He does. Anyway? Okay. He does. He does. You yes, I, I did. I did. If you would let me finish. I know, sentence. but you clarified that. I just said <laughs> I was going to say because that would be more anthropology, Ma'am. not. So he was, he was, he was a, you know, pretty smart dude who knew a lot about this stuff. His determination was that the cut finger belonged to Anna Maria. He believed the cut was a defensive wound from her holding her hand up as a knife came down. It was also found that Anna Maria may have died as a result of stab wounds to her abdomen, but that was never able to be conclusively determined. Well, no, because there, there's not there was bone a kind or of anything. damage, but not enough for him to say that it was from stab wounds. And well, it could have been from something else. It could have, have been from anything. It could was have been it her lower abdomen, middle abdomen, or I don't know. upper abdomen. abdomen? Because the only way that you would have any signs in the abdomen is if it hit the pelvic bone or hit some ribs. Or if a animal was chewing on them. Now, it was conclusively concluded that the time of death was sometime during the week of September 4th. The day okay. they disappeared. So, it's most certain that they died... The day they went, dis- they, the day they disappeared. Yeah. Now, since they found Anna Maria's necklace on the logging road, police believe there was a good chance that that was where they were actually killed. They thought they were killed on the logging road and that their bodies were taken into the brush. The state police theorized that the killer had not placed the necklace on the road as some sort of marker, but that it had been cut from Anna Maria's neck as she had raised her hands up to deflect the incoming knife attack. But it's interesting to note that the actual necklace was never found, only the locket. Well, it sounds to me more like somebody ripped the necklace off. Well, then where's the chain? Wouldn't the chain be there, too? It may just not have been found. So I mean, because my guess is it's not a thick chain. It's like a little dainty chain, kind of like I have around Mm -hmm. my so it could have just not been found. Yeah, so these are the questions I have about that. Does that mean that they were killed somewhere else? Could the chain have just been missed? I mean, it, they had metal have, they had metal detectors out well, there, but maybe I mean, I mean it could it's possible it could have been missed. Could the rain have washed it further from the area? The than, rain could have cuz now that chain where would the be lighter that chain would be lighter than that locket so that if it was heavy rain like they're suggesting it could have very well washed the, ch- mm-hmm. the chain away. Yeah, it could have. Could it have been on her neck when she was dumped and as the body decayed, it was dragged off by animals? Could have been. Where the victims walked in and the locket was dropped by Anna Maria on the way in, hoping someone would find it if they went looking for her? I don't think so. Was it taken as a trophy by the killer and then accidentally dropped on the way out? I don't think so. I think it. I think it was more of like they said, she was struggling. It got t- ripped off somehow and just fell there. Yeah, I, I just, I just wish we knew what happened with the chain. It's just mystery. I'm just saying there's there numerous. Been, there I'm just saying there's other possibilities. There could have been a lot of things that happened with that chain. The rain, wild well, that's animals. Why I brought all that up. Now. I don't think that the locket being found on the logging road proves they were murdered in that spot. No, I'm not saying that. I I think I think they were killed closer to where the bodies were laying. Yeah. Which means it could have been a single killer because he or she would not have had to move those bodies very far. 
Right. That it could have been right where they were laying. Right. That's what I'm saying. I don't think that locket laying in the road there proves that that's where they were killed. No, and because what the police were saying was, well, if they were killed, or this was, I don't know if all police were saying this. I mean, they would have still probably been struggling. Being walking if they were being walked in, but I don't know if they were being walked in or not, which we'll get to in a minute. But what I was going to say is. The police were theorizing. I don't. I don't. I don't say all police, but I know Danny Plot. He was theorizing that since that's where the locket was, that's where they were murdered, and that it would have had to have been at least two assailants to be able to move the bodies to where they were found. But in my opinion, no, it doesn't necessarily. necessarily mean. First of all, that doesn't necessarily prove to me that that's where the murder took place because there's other possibilities, and. I just think they were probably killed closer. Because if you're walking them in, why are you going to kill them when you know you are got to drag them into the brush anyway? Well, just walk them is, into the brush well, where, you, might, know they're yeah. gonna do, where you know they're, you're going to leave them. But my point is, is it would not necessarily take two people to pull them into that brush. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there could have been drag marks. It rained. Right. You're not going <laughs> to see right. them. Right. So... There was nothing on the remains of Daniel to indicate a knife or a gun attack. A bullet could have passed through his tissue without hitting bone on yeah. both of them. A knife attack, if it didn't hit bone, it would have not That's left what any I was indication earlier. in there. So. If it didn't hit one of the ribs or one of the pelvic bones, there's not right. going to be any indication right. of a knife wound. Right. So, I mean, they can't say for 100% sure how they were murdered. They just know that there was a nick on a slice Maybe they just laid down bone. and died. Maybe they got like a stomach flu and got <laughs> dehydrated and didn't have any water and laid down and died. I don't think so. Probably not. Because but I mean, I, they would probably just stayed in the car. <laughs> well, apparently, apparently people up there go for walk in the woods at odd hours. <laughs> so, according probably, to the police, they do. According to the police, they do. So probably they would have just left the car. Now, one theory was that they may have been, of course, the victims of a robbery gone wrong. Now, none of the money that the victims had was ever found. Well, no, because they spent it. They whoever kid no whoever killed him. Well, I'm just saying that it wasn't found there. Somebody took it. It was gone. So the Godseeds, um, they were tracked down and interviewed. And it's interesting to note that Joe's time was unaccounted for immediately after the two disappeared. And um, it was discovered years later that Godsey and another member of his family were connected to a hunting club in that same area where the bodies were found. So this might have provided him familiarity with the area, and he also was one of the very few people that knew that Daniel was supposed to get that money from his dad because he had told Joe about that on their way back to from Virginia Beach. Hmm. So he knew that Daniel was going to have a lot of money on him, and he knew that area because he hunted it. And his time was unaccounted for after the two disappeared. But I will say that the police have never named him as a suspect. I'm not naming him as a suspect no, here. No, that's just, you're just, just pointing out happening. facts. That's just facts, okay? Now, this information, too, has never been officially released in an official capacity from mm. the FBI, from the Virginia State Police, or from anybody. Basically, he just but, said the police came and interviewed me. No, because... this is different information. Oh, okay. 
what I'm about to tell you. I don't Uh-oh. know. <laughs> Should we be saying this? <laughs> well, I'm going to say it because um, it's been said before, and it's in a book, and it's been said on numerous podcasts, so I'm going to say it. But I will say that it's never been officially released, but it was given in, in an interview that Danny Plot gave to the authors of the book, A Special Kind of Evil. Okay. Okay. He said that they had proof that the two had stopped on the eastbound rest area that night and had made a phone call. He said, quote, Daniel made a call to someone. It may have been Godsey. I'm not sure it was a friend or another brother. And that led us to speculate that there was a little something between him and Anna Maria because He said he was going back to Virginia Beach with her, and basically the gist of the conversation, if I remember right, was, well, I think she likes me. If she offers it to me again, I'm going to take it. Something like that, unquote. So he's saying there may have been something going on between Daniel and Anna Maria, which led some to think that they were looking for a place to go park. But was he talking about Anna Maria when he said that? According to Danny Plott, yes. I mean, because... And like I've said, I know that other podcasts, I know Bill Thomas, Kathy Thomas's brother, has said this on things that that they had some evidence that Anna Maria may have been interested in Daniel. And this has to be what that information was was this phone call that he made to somebody. I don't know. Or was that just him wishful thinking? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, because really you can't, he could have just been saying that. Yeah. I don't so know. you really can't say that that's... that's why I said that this is never, this is not official information that I'm telling you. No, because you can't make that official because you have no proof, one, that's hearsay, that he said that. So you don't know if it was true. I don't know if it was true. And, it, and it's possible. It's I'm not saying, the that, I'm not I'm saying, saying that the phone that call wasn't true. I have true. not seen the only place, this is the only place that I know that it it's official that it came from. That I can't find, like, we don't have access to these police reports and stuff, Well, I'm, I'm, I'm not, right. So, I don't know That's for what sure. I'm saying. I, I'm not saying the phone call's not true, because that's easy to track. Right. But what I'm saying is, is you can't say that if Daniel did say that stuff, if he said it, because you can't prove, one, that he did say that stuff to Well, him. I can't, but Danny Plot may he, have known what's in, what the phone call was, because they obviously talked to the person that Daniel talked to on the phone that night. But they still don't know that he actually said that. Right, so. It's, my, it's the point I'm making. Right. And two, if he did say that stuff, he could have just been saying it. So yeah. you can't prove that any of that was like true. Like you said, maybe it was wishful thinking. I yeah. don't know. I'm not saying it wasn't. I'm not saying that all of that didn't happen. I'm mm-hmm. just saying you can't prove it. Right. Now, Plot also said, quote, We wondered, did they pull down in that logging road? But neither one would have known where it was, you know, to enjoy each other and were grabbed there. It just doesn't make any sense because this is just a dirt road and you had to go quite a ways back, unquote. Now, Why wouldn't they have just stopped at the rest area? Yeah, I don't I know. mean, people do that at the rest area all the time. <laughs> they just want a little more privacy. If I don't. I don't think that's what happened. I don't but either, I'm but just I'm saying, just saying that there's a lot of holes in that because right. 
And I think that's what he's saying, too. At that time of the morning, they would have just stopped at the rest area because there's not going to be that many people there. on the road because they didn't leave till after 11 o'clock. Right. That's what I'm saying. Now, I personally don't think they went down that road on purpose or by themselves because I don't believe they would have been familiar enough with that area to know where that road was. It's pos- is it possible they were looking for a place and just happened to find it? Probably yeah, not. it's possible. Because they would have just stopped at the it's rest It's possible. Area. It's possible, but I doubt it. Now, I can, again, this is, I'm going to say this, that I cannot say for sure if Daniel's car was down that road. Now, I've had a lot of sources that I've found and a lot of people that say that weeds and dirt on the undercarriage of Daniel's car matched that found at the location where the bodies were found. But, according to Danny Plott, they tested the dirt on the tires and there was no indication that the car had been down that logging road. Okay, so people are just making stuff up. No, I don't know. I, I don't know if he's misremembering. Because I, I mean, it's like everywhere that 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 they indicated think. that that. Now I know more, most of the like ninety nine percent of the sources say that there was evidence that car had been down that road. Now, that I, doesn't make it true though. Well, I'm just saying that more than not, I'm I'm telling you that the only place that I have seen that it said that it did they didn't have evidence of that came from. An interview with Danny Plot. He's the only one that I've had that and I'm has not, said and that. And I'm not saying that he's right. I'm just saying that my point is, is if you have no proof that this is exactly what they're saying, you can't. Well, I'm tell going it to say, truth. I'm going to say that it is true that they did have evidence of that car being down that road because in 2010. All of the families had a meeting with the FBI and were told every pretty much, not everything they knew, but a lot of what they knew. And out of that meeting is a lot of the information that Bill Thomas has given, has given on interviews that he's done in various places. So I'm going to say that the, he was told that they had evidence that car had been down that road. And I think Danny Plot may be just be misremembering. And that's my opinion. Because I don't think that they would come out and say it if it wasn't true. Well, that's just where I'm going to leave that. Now, I do think that someone with prior knowledge of that log, that it had to be someone with prior knowledge of that logging road. And I'm going to tell you why. If... If someone had taken control of those victims and had randomly pulled off on that dirt road, he had no idea, first of all, where that road went. Yeah. If he would be able to get his vehicle out. Or have, if there was a house or something back there. Right. Which is the same reason that I don't think that Daniel and Anna Maria would they have pulled down do, into I'm that road. You, they would have gotten in the back of parking lot of the rest area mm-hmm. and just stayed there. It yeah. happens all the time. I just don't think... I mean, it, it had to be somebody that knew where that knew where that road went. Yeah. Because you're not going to take a chance of anybody being back there. Because you don't know what's back there if you're just randomly finding a road. Right. Now, I will say most people think that they were probably grabbed 
when they were at the eastbound rest stop and then taken to the site at the next exit where they were found. Then the car, they were killed, then the car was driven back going westbound and pulled into the westbound rest stop by the killer or killers. The killer then maybe crossed the median to get back to his vehicle that had been left at the eastbound rest stop and then left the area. That would make sense of of him driving that car going eastbound, getting off on the exit, and then coming back and abandoning the car right there going westbound. Because I feel like that if they had have driven down, driven down that road themselves and somebody had killed them down there, they wouldn't have driven the, the car, car out. The car wouldn't have been back. No. Right? They wouldn't have driven the car out. I mean, it doesn't out. make sense. The car but, would have still been down the dirt road. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Now, Daniel's window being part of the way down supports that he may have rolled it down to talk to someone that he assumed was an authority figure. And this is something that keeps coming up in these cases. Well, there's always like police and all too though at those rest areas and if right. it was late and like early 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 morning hours they could have just been stopping too to say hey y'all okay yeah but nobody ever came forward to say they did well anna maria's wallet that was missing could have been an indication that she was taking out her identification or they could have the just gotten it in. out and taken it yeah without her taking it out herself right and if she was taking out of her identification maybe whoever was at daniel's window they were assumed was a law enforcement officer which has kept coming up in this in all of these murders as a possibility it's one of the things they've got in common now in june of 2010 a former homicide detective with the Milwaukee Police Department named Steven Spangola, he offered to come out and investigate the Colonial Parkway murders for the families. And we will go into more details of the things he found out during his investigation in our next episode, but there is one thing he found that I want to talk about here. Okay. There was a note, allegedly in Anna Maria's handwriting, that pointed to a meeting with a named person at a rest stop in a blue van. This note had been found by Anna Maria's sister-in-law, Jennifer, in a box that had been taken years earlier from Anna Maria's apartment after she went missing. Okay. It included a phone number of this person. And in Spangola's mind, this might be a vital clue to a possible drug deal. That's just what he said. That's where he went with it. Was that he, they were going to or meet this person? Or it could have just somebody, been somebody they were meeting to get a puppy right. <laughs> at two o'clock in the morning. My thing is, okay, let me go. Over, let me tell the rest of this. This note was turned over to the Virginia State Police. The state police spokesman, Kareem Geller, said, "Quote: The note and the nature of the note was reviewed by police at the time of the murders." It didn't lead to any significant fines, and so the note is nothing new to the investigation, unquote. However, one of the state police investigators working on the case during the 1989 murders, he told a television reporter for WAVY-TV that he was, quote, unaware of the existence of the note. Huh. But I just wonder, so you got... The police, the Virginia State Police, years later, saying yes, we investigated this note. 
you've got this investigator saying, well, I didn't even know this note existed. Well. But I just wonder, I, first of all, I wonder if this note was referring to a meeting for that weekend. Well, not only that, stop right there, though. You said that it was found in a box that had mm-hmm. been taken from her apartment. If they deter- if the police had a- found the note at the time of the original investigation, it would not have been in that box. That's true. I agree. I also think I don't. That's true. That is true. It wouldn't unless they had given it back to the family. They, they wouldn't do that they, when they discovered if, that it didn't have any significance to the case. Most of the time, they'll still just file it under. Yeah, I would think that it would still be kept with the evidence it would in an be. unsolved case. It would be. But we know who we're dealing with here, so I don't know for sure on that. But my thing is, I don't know if you had a note with the information of a person you were meeting on it. Wouldn't you take that note with you? Not necessarily. If it had their phone number and everything, you wouldn't take it with you? No, not if you memorize, not, if, not if you memorize the phone number because some people, no, stop, because back then people had to memorize phone numbers because they didn't have cell phones. But I just think that if you were meeting someone at a, at a specific or time. That she you could have written it down in like a, another notebook or something like that. It could have had, it could have been there for weeks and had nothing to do with this trip. It couldn't, it could That's have That's my point. It could have been a meeting for another time. But they would have still kept it just in case. Yeah. They would not have given it back to the family. Yeah, so I don't know. I got You got the state police saying they investigated it. You got the investigator saying, well, I didn't even know about I'm that. I'm going to go with the investigator on that yeah. one. So, like the other three sets of murders that we have discussed so far, the murders of Daniel and Anna Marie, they go cold. Now, people in the area totally... 100% expected another set of murders to take place around September or October of 1990. Now, why would they suspect that? <laughs> well, you know, it's just kind of a pattern. Well, well you know. <laughs> However, that didn't happen. And the Colonial Parkway murders seemed to stop. Or did they? I don't know. I don't know either, but we can all find out together next on our next episode. Because this is where we're stopping for this week. Sounds good. Stopping with a note. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. There's a little note I took. (laughs) So, again, I want to recommend one of our sources. It's um, the book, A Special Kind of Evil, by Blaine L. Pardo and Victoria Hester. It is available on Audible. You can visit audibletrial.com slash one crime and receive a 30-day free trial. You will receive two credit uh, credits for one free audiobook plus two audible audible originals, and if you continue your subscription, you will continue to receive one audiobook plus two audible originals each month, and those credits will roll over for a year if you don't use them each month. Again, you can go to audibletrial.com/onecrime to receive your 30-day free trial. Other sources on this story include the Colonial Parkway Murders Facebook page, which is, like I said, run by Bill Thomas. Mm-hmm. Um, and he actually followed us on Twitter. He's awesome. Been, he's been following us, and I guess he approves, Hi, I guess he approves of what we're doing. Hi, so thank Bill. you, Mr. Thomas. <laughs> um, I've watched several segments from the WAVY TV News, 13 News Now. Like I said, interviews with Bill Thomas that he's done on several podcasts. Um, and just other um other websites other websites 
Wikipedia. I will say Wikipedia. But <gasps> I will right? say that Bill Thomas has told us that he does keep the Wikipedia page updated with the correct information. Okay, so, thank you, because most of the time yes. it's not. <laughs> it's, it's really, sometimes it's not. It's, it's a lot. I will say that Wikipedia has become a lot better than it used to be as far as accuracy. It's still got, it still needs <laughs> some work. <though. laughs> I promise you. <laughs> but I'm just saying. So now it's time for your favorite part of the show. Oh, Lord. You love it. You love it. You know it. It's called The Monday Moron. Uh-oh. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> now, I will say that the, the, the funniest part of this story is not even the headline. The main thing of the story, it's the story within the story. And you'll see what I'm talking about okay. in a minute. Well, let's tell both. Let's tell all okay. both stories. <laughs> Drunk Arkansas men shoot each other to test bulletproof vest. <laughs> That's not just in Arkansas. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> After a night of drinking, two Arkansas men decided to test the durability of a bulletproof vest by shooting each other. You know how that started. Here, hold my beer. Hold my beer. Hey, y'all, watch this. Rogers residents Charles Eugene Ferris, age 50, and Christopher Hicks, age 36, ended up in the hospital. Where well, what they, they think was going to happen? They shot each other. This is the story within the story that makes this the funniest story. Okay. This, this is why I put it in here. So they were, they were, they were in into the hospital, hospital where they told investigators... They were shot after they were hired for a secret mission that involved following someone through Hobbs State Park, according to the Benton County Sheriff's what Office. <laughs> but, but when Ferris's wife showed up at the hospital, she had a different story to tell. That's because she was holding the beer. Right. The man had been drinking on Ferris's back porch when he asked Hicks to shoot him. Although the vest stopped the bullet, it still left a painful mark on Ferris's chest. That upset Ferris. So when Hicks put on the vest, Ferris unloaded the clip into Christopher's back, according to him. <laughs> you told him to shoot you, dude. Don't get mad at him. Right. Both men were arrested and charged with felony aggravated assault. Before releasing them on $5,000 bond, a judge issued a no-contact order between the men. <laughs> they each face up to six years in prison and maximum $10 please, fine. Please, please. <laughs> <laughs> but the funniest part yeah, of that yeah. story to me is... What happened to the drug cartel? Or whatever cartel they, they were... were. They were on a secret mission. <laughs> oh, what happened to the secret mission? But anyway... So, that's your money, more. Let me tell y'all, can I say something about a bulletproof vest? And sure. I'm sure every police officer will attest to this. It will stop the bullet from, like, entering your body and killing you. But it's not going to stop it from hitting you. <laughs> right. It's still going to hit you. It's still going to leave a mark. Okay. It doesn't have a force field around right. you where the bullet doesn't hit you at all. It You're gonna it hurt. Down. It, it slows it down a little bit. It's gonna hurt. Bad. You're being shot. <laughs> <laughs> so 
So. That's all I have to say on that. Okay. Well, that's our Monday moron for this week. But I've got to figure. I want to know if their secret mission. I don't know what happened with the secret it. mission. Apparently, they didn't get to finish it. No, because they went to jail. They went to jail, and now they criminal can't. mischief. Yes, that's what they should have gone and for. Now they can't mischief. even be around. They can't even they be can't friends even drink anymore. Together anymore because they try to shoot right. each other now. The judge has said they can't be together. Well, now, in all fairness, that one guy should have got a lighter sentence because he only shot that guy once <laughs> after he told him to. <laughs> after he told him, go ahead and shoot me. But the other guy, I mean, he tried to kill that person. He took it a little too far. He took it too far. (laughs) In the back at that. (laughs) Couldn't even shoot him in the front. He didn't even know it was coming. Right. And so that's just the coward's way out, man. So anyway, (laughs) that's that. So you can email us at onecrimeatatime at gmail.com. Anything you would like to tell us. You can email us Monday Moron stories if you would like. Uh, you yes. can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We're all on those. We're on all of those. We're at One Crime Pod. And if you are into learning the history of some of the most haunted places around, you can listen to our other podcast out in the sticks. Yes, which you can listen to wherever you are listening to this. We have fun on that one too. <laughs> if you would like to help support the show, you can visit our Patreon page. Um, have four levels on there you can choose which level you would like and i will say that i had a problem i'm sorry about this guys but i thought that the um feed that i had going to our patreon page was putting our episodes on there weekly that you know with for the commercial free episodes and we had recently recently changed hosting companies for who host our podcast and i apparently had linked our old feed (laughs) to that which means you're not to the patreon feed which means they're not on there like i thought they were so i am so sorry but i'm working on that today i thought you said two three weeks ago you had all of that well because i thought that i did because i but apparently i used the old feed instead of the new feed for the new company that we're with but and i'm very sorry about that we'll get it well i promise forgive me i'm sorry during this month off we're gonna get our shit together getting all my shit together. I'm not going to get injured anymore. <laughs> I'm going to try and put myself in like bubble wrap yeah. so I can not get injured anymore. So I'm updating that as we speak, um, literally, because the website's downloading them now. So our merch store is up and running. Uh, we have t-shirts, I coffee still mugs. need a coffee mug. Well, you can order you one. You order me one. Stickers, magnets, totes, all kinds of stuff. Just go in there and check it out. And lastly, one of the biggest ways you can help us out is by going to iTunes or Apple Podcasts, giving us a rating, yes. giving us a review, yes. write us a review, let so us know So she can you read your review one at a time, one at even a time. though there's like a hundred on there, she <laughs> can read them one at a time. <laughs> there's not a hundred on there. Not anymore, because you've read like six. But there's not a hundred on there. So if you could go help us out, that would great, greatly be appreciated. Yes. So I guess, um, I guess that's it for this episode yeah so join us next time as we dive in one crime at a time mm-hmm. see you next time guys see ya bye, bye. bye.